I'm just like, oh man, that's a fucking pimp. Like getting his other pimp friends together, being like, my bitch got away. Like <laughs> I need to go bring her back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pimps <laughs> assemble. Yeah, that's actually what I thought about. Anchorman. Yes, I love it. Yeah, oh but... man, I can't even <laughs> assemble. I actually thought of that. We're in my right head. here, Rod. <laughs> yeah. God. Me and Toussaint were watching the last like 20 minutes together before yeah. we recorded this, yeah. and at one point I, I started singing "Where Are You Christmas" <laughs> from How the Grinch Stole Christmas. God. And so now I'm just picturing her singing that to her vagina that's not there. I also said during that scene, because I caught the very end of it with you guys, during that scene that I said either he's trying to rape her or he's trying to rape Joey Ramone. Uh, so, you know, there's there's that for you. I want to be sedated. <laughs> oh, boy. Welcome into Film Tank, the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On today's episode of Film Tank, we discuss the Jonathan Glazer film, which is 2013's Under the Skin, starring Scarlett Johansson. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hey there again, everybody, and welcome in to episode 87 of Film Tank. I am Alex Diekman, along with Nick Cheney. Under the skin. And Toussaint Egan. Darling is better, downward is wetter, deep within in. I don't know how to really... I was going to finagle that, but... You actually sounded a little more like Terrence and Philip from South Park. Hi, guys. Yeah. 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 Egan also here. I didn't sound Canadian. They don't really either, but... (laughs) Wait, (laughs) what? Hi, buddy! (laughs) What's your buddy, guy? (laughs) Oi. He's a fucking asshole! (laughs) Okay. Already off to a great start. Yeah. As per usual. I mean, we couldn't have it any other way, right? Right. Just Egan also here. Yeah. Oh, hey. Hey, what's up? What's up, buddy? What's up? So, today... We, your buddy. <laughs> today, we are talking about the 2013-2014 film, whatever year you want to call it, Under the Skin, uh, directed by Jonathan Glazer and written by Jonathan Glazer, also uh, based on the, no- the novel by Mikel Faber... And also written by Walter Campbell and uncredited um, Milo Attica. Okay. Oh, right. Sounds That's a good. lot of people. Sure. Yeah. I don't know the uh, involvement of all those people, really. I'm kind of surprised there's that, that many people. Maybe that one of them this. just got coffee. Maybe he was a coffee guy. Uh, we'll jo- never know. Jonathan Glazer is, for the most part, a a director that probably deep cinephiles would have known before Enter the Skin. Birth, only. Sexy Beast. Yeah. Yeah. Those are not those are film mainstream names? films. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Birth are... is the one about Nicole Kidman who wants to fuck a 10-year-old. Boom. Huh. Okay. Well. But these are not films that the mainstream would have heard of, or even people who are really into film, probably. So. Yeah. Uh, but this one did get a little more... I would say this um, would be a breakout if, he, if you could call it a breakout. Yeah. It didn't do well at the box office. But it certainly did get some notoriety. 
So, um, for different reasons, which we'll obviously get into on this episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, The film Under the Skin is an R-rated film that is technically drama slash horror slash sci-fi, which I do think it is all three of those. Uh, And it is about a mysterious woman who seduces lonely men in the evening hours in Scotland. Events then lead her to begin a process of self-discovery. Whoa. Whoa. This is heavy shit. So, uh, the film stars Scarlett Johansson, and really that's it. Um, A lot of other people are here, but... A lot of people who had no idea they were being filmed. I was going to say, and people who are actors who no one's ever heard of and will ever hear of. So, it's Scarlett Johansson, and that's it. Except the guy who plays the uh, disfigured man. There's a a lovely interview. uh, Aaron Pearson? Yep. Yeah, I looked it up. Yeah, he's yeah. a cool dude. Yeah, he who uh, he gave a very nice interview about what it was like to certainly be casted for a very specific reason and how that's impacted his life. And yeah, so I, I recommend, even though I don't remember which publication put it out, it's very easy to find if you just literally type in uh, keywords. Like it's probably the, the Guardian. I thought that's what. It, yeah, the Guardian. So there you go. So what? What? Um, before we get deeper into talking about this film, you know, really getting under the layers. Uh, nothing. No, I got, I heard it. No, nobody. I'm proud of you. Not even like a, I already have my like, under like, the skin pun lined up, so yeah. I just ignore everybody else's. <laughs> Fucker! What a gentleman. Uh, so, can you fill me in a little bit more on what that on that interview, yeah. so to speak? Yeah. So he it was pretty straightforward in the sense that um, he had talked about how his own condition in real life is uh, neurofibro something where fibrosis it, or something. Yeah, where it um, literally causes non-cancerous tumors to grow on his nerve endings, and in his case, in his face mostly. So obviously, he's grown up all his life with this, and since he was, I think they said, as young as like. 10 years old so he's grown up all his life with certainly a lot of people not being very nice to him and that kind of thing yeah. and he goes when he and he'd even done some acting before like being reached out so he could be on reality dating shows that were specifically about you know the uh let's just say a certain kind of contestant paired with a like beautiful woman type thing uh, yeah um okay. and i i don't remember if he specifically did all those but i know he was reached out for those and um so he said that um when he was offered this part because they specifically they tracked down cuz he you know was an actor so to speak and they um he said it was certainly weird at first because not only was he going to be in this movie but he was going to portray somebody that was actually like himself but also taken seriously and not as like a joke or anything and of course his first starring role so not starring but first build role where he would uh be like having to do a nude scene with Scarlett Johansson so he goes because it all just kind of happened all at one time it was just a kind of a surreal experience but he said he he had a blast doing it and he was very happy to that he got to do a role in which he actually got to at least i think turn it turn the world's perception of uh people with similar conditions to himself uh one degree to the right uh way which is that you know it's just a thing and everybody's got them yeah and certainly uh that part of the film is really what seems to push scarlett johansson's character Further into whatever yep. she becomes, yeah. which we'll, we'll, we'll talk about here in just a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, opening thoughts. Who would like to go first? Is it what she became or what she had already always been? Oh, man. That's... I did say we were going to get into it, so, you know. Jesus, Tucson. Sorry. Who, who wants to go first? I'll Sounds go. like Nick does. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
So I really enjoy this movie. I certainly am at somewhat of an arm's arm's length from it. Uh, I don't love it. And I do find it somewhat trying at times to watch in a way that uh, other avant-garde movies, like I don't feel that way with them, like whether it be The Tree of Life or like a David Lynch existential uh, surreal surrealist bend or whatever. This one can sometimes feel a little too monotonous for my taste uh, because essentially the first 40 to 50 minutes is her doing the same process over and over, uh, albeit with a new layer, you know, uh, each each time and whatnot. Um, and uh, I think ultimately I like this as a collection of scenes. Like I'm fascinated by each of these individual parts as I'm watching them and, like, the way it's framed, the way it's acted, the way it's written, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I ultimately, it's one of the few art films where every time my mind starts to wonder about what it could be or what it could whatever, I completely lose the thread about 30 seconds later because it doesn't ultimately pull me in enough for me to want to ascribe meaning to it, mm-hmm. um, which I don't... I still haven't completely convinced myself it's either a plus or a weakness. Like it, I'm right at the middle of whether I think that it it is utterly meaningless to myself and that's uh, okay, or there is enough meaning there. I just haven't parsed through it all yet. Um, the fact that it's based on a book, that, um, which I haven't read, makes me a little leery to think that whatever meaning I could ascribe to it isn't already just what the book would fill in. I'd imagine this is a very loose adaptation, seeing how... Yeah. Dialogue is so scant. I mean, there's, there's of course, the, the chance of there being, like, like exposition and, and description and stuff like that. But yeah. this feels like its own sort of beast in a way. Yeah. And ultimately, uh, while I'm a fan of it, the, the idea that we are following Scarlett Johansson's character for the duration of the movie is also the only thing that puts me at pause. Not because of what Scarlett Johansson is doing, but because we're essentially... We we have to sit down for a hundred minutes and watch a non character. I mean, sh- uh, whether it's an alien or a human being, whatever. Uh, th- th- there's nothing there to actually uh, truly uh, project a true character onto, and it's more of a an uh, analog to a real life example that you can possibly think of, whether it be a, a stand-in for all women or a stand-in for. Uh, beautiful people or whatever. Um, the beautiful people. The beautiful yeah, people. the 1%. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so in fact, and I'm not going to do a Chinatown thing here, but I will mention that I do think that this movie is basically a perfect double billing with the Neon Demon, mm-hmm. whereas I think that movie is about the narcissism of beauty, whereas this movie is about the imprisonment of beauty. Um, and I think that they're pretty much flip sides of the same coin. Uh, uh and two different approaches to a very similar uh, thread. So, um, but yeah, ultimately, I like this as a piece of filmmaking, but I don't know that I truly get a lot out of it, which is why I'm very curious to see what you two have to say, because I certainly have thoughts uh, about certain scenes and certain whatever, um, but the more I try to piece them together, like how her humanization of her encounter with the disfigured man fits in with her predatory nature of the other men. Like at at what point am I supposed to be trying to follow along and characterize her as either a human or dancer or, um, uh, or, and at what point am I, am I supposed to just watch and not, uh, you know, not do any of that. So yeah, ultimately I do like it. I think it's a very important piece of filmmaking, but it's definitely not one I, I tend to revisit too often. Yeah. So, 
I'll go next. Yeah. Okay. I, I have to echo a couple of sentiments from Nick. I feel the same way as to whether or not I'm supposed to take out literal meaning from this, or I'm supposed to like have half of my brain sort of like unconscious and sort of just like watching the scenes as they unfold. And I feel like that's really the the principal approach. I feel like that there is meaning behind these scenes. I just don't. I I, I think the the intention of the director in creating this film was to. From his own admission, from what I've, I've gathered from interviews with him, is that he tried to create a film that portrayed the human and the familiar as something utterly alien and just at a distance. And kind of like through the proxy of, of Scarlett Johansson's character of the woman being like this 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 sort of like preternatural creature that's sort of created in the opening moments of the film. That's how I interpreted that. Just like her being like formed from the ether, so to speak, and I think that the first half, where she's just like driving around this truck and like luring, like gullible Johns into her like void space or whatever. In, in the we call them gullible Johns, but in reality, they're I would say they're less gullible and they're more Johns of a certain type. Yeah, uh, she's profiling them. loners. It's, yeah, I was gonna say it's not so much that, and so their characterization of what she desires to. Uh, as to her target, mm-hmm. or ultimately is also what they're undoing is as to why they would go. So it's, you know what I mean? An interesting uh, question that I wanted to bring up is that um, was she targeting and was the group of aliens or whatever goal for her to target single men? A, because she wanted to only have single men or that it would sort of kind of keep the scent off in right terms like that of would like be the a, easiest thing i think it's the latter <clears throat> i think it's the latter that the, nobody would miss them and if somebody did then they wouldn't be able to we could do with but the, why, why why would she care about somebody missing them she clearly has in the early part of the film no sort of human feeling whatsoever it's not a I matter of we used to draw the scent so it's not so much that no, nobody would investigate and try to track her down, which I, I guess is more what I'm saying. Right. Is, is that what or, or Tuzan had kind of talked about the no, saying nobody would miss them? Why would she care? That's I'm, I'm not saying that she right. would care. About saying them. what you're saying, yeah. Oh, nobody yeah. would miss them, and therefore not have to go find out what happened to you. them. Okay. Exactly, not emotionally miss them. So yeah. she she has, she has no care about. Right. Well, he, he has a family. I don't want him to lose out on his family because. I think you could easily take that away from the first scene in the film, but then we have the beach scene, which could not in any way have you think that she has any sort of human emotion whatsoever. Nope. No, I mean, that's the thing. is um, I, I think it's certainly a, a, an odd mixture of the two, but I, I genuinely think that when she's profiling and she's asking those questions, it's solely on the basis of how much uh, baggage is going to be. Cool. I would agree. Know. Yeah. For she, sure. She's, Thanks, Tucson. She's sort of this predatorial succubus who's wearing the guise of a human and over the course of the film... Aren't I think, we all? Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, it just, it just happens like that. Um, she... I, 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 I hate to, to describe it in such a way because I'm not trying to make this come off as like a feel-good, like, like, like slice of like coming, coming of age do, sort of do, thing. Do, 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 Shut the fuck up. Anyway, if we could only have just like a amazing sound soundtrack here, yeah. that it was like a we could just start playing the Chariots of Fire theme song over everything that Tucson's about to say. No, but, I meant I meant in the uh, in the film. Oh, you mean in the film? I thought you meant in our podcast. No. But okay. it, it, it's I like gotcha, yeah. Scarlett Johansson's character is sort of learning what it means to be a human i'm not trying to make this come off as saccharine or 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 sentimental it's like oh now i know what it's like to be a human it's like no 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 it's like it's just 
she she tries to ingratiate herself in sort of like the rhythms and the um the 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 routines of being human like she even sits down at a restaurant to eat some cake and she just hacks it up yeah. as though it's like poison which is like very interesting she's a dog she can't eat chocolate oh, man. <laughs> well, she just can't eat food yeah in general we always see her try to eat chocolate yeah I, I'm, I'm, I mean, there's a lot of things that you could say. No, no, I'm actually agreeing with you. Like, there's a lot of not necessarily about the chocolate thing, but just about <laughs> I'm like, in general. Don't. No, no, but the, there's a lot of things that you could say. Oh, it seems obvious, but at the same time, there's an easily easy way to contradict pretty much everything in this film. Yeah, so. the the scene that really leaps out to me where it, it's the 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 disfigured man of so to speak where she's drawing him into her like void space and she just like exit out and she spares him ostensibly of what what, what it looks like it I I have no idea how to read that scene it's like she just rushes off right and she leaves but why did she do she already had the guy she no there. Yeah, she deliberately does let him go I mean, yeah that that much we see but the idea that that scene is followed up with uh, psycho dude. Uh, psycho as a motorcycle, not psycho. Yeah. Uh, There's two psycho dudes. Three, I think. Are there? I think so. Yeah. I definitely do not pay There's a lot. attention to it. So they're, they're, they are, they're different people? Yeah. How can we even see? We never really, other than like one of them, see them up close. Well, we see an, another two when he's talking with them after, and then they all get on their motorcycles and drive away. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we like the minute she she lets uh, the man go, the, the next scene is one of the motorcycle men coming to, like, kill him, essentially, and harvest him or whatever. So it's like she's not a dumb alien. So it's like, does, like is, is she? Like, was that her first human error mistake? Like, she thought that compassion would win out for some reason? I don't, I don't understand the, the juxtaposition of her doing that and then just immediately the next scene. It's my opinion, and this is just an opinion because that's really all you can have in this movie, I, I think. I mean, you could have strong feelings about this film, but I don't necessarily know if any of them would be right or wrong. This is a feeling that has so many different things at so many points. It's A lot of it just ends up being up for debate because changing your opinion on one thing could change your opinion on another. But... Just the, like, she's only given what she needs to have in terms of feelings or or input or whatever. And then just the the, last, the rest is kind of learned, which is in, I, I've got interesting thoughts on that. Trying to, to parse this film out um, through the main character and the supporting characters and is like the, the motorcyclist and, and the woman is... I think it's deliberately impossible to do it because it's meant to sort of, as, as I said before, it's trying to create this almost ineffable sort of alien perspective on interacting with the human world. And I just don't think we're supposed to understand. I, I think it's like I couldn't understand what an alien mind is approaching. Like like what, what level of, 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 of causality or logic if if any at all is this is alien being like going about their mission we don't even know if it acts as a sort of a a, a singular mind or if it's like connected to those other people are they just aspects of the same person i don't know so um yeah this is a really interesting film i i'm i'm glad that we're talking about it today um but yeah i want to hear more of like alex's thoughts yeah i'm a I don't. dick i'll just get up and leave then <laughs> you just nod your head. <laughs> Fucking asshole. This asshole guy. God, fuck this guy. It's like Tucson? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Back to Nick. Uh, no, um, 
I was a fan of this when we first saw it, and I'm an even bigger fan now. Um, I <clears throat> I genuinely think this is a terrific film, and uh, something that I think a lot of people could get whatever out of it that they want to get out of it. I mean, it, you could we could all have different opinions of what's going on here, uh, what this film is about, what it's trying to say, and uh, with a lot as with a lot of really good films, uh, there's not necessarily a right or a wrong answer, and we probably will never get a right or a wrong answer. Or at least a definitive one. But th- this movie is just something that I actually love the first 45 minutes, as both you guys kind of alluded to, that it gets a little repetitive at times, and it's just kind of the same thing over and over. But I like that it just continuously goes through this same motion and shows the same thing happening with different people. We get this very interesting interaction with her and uh, other men, Um uh, Especially like the uh, the one scene that I remember when all the guys kind of gather around her in the in the van and she just ends up driving away is like that was like about to turn into a gang rape scene. Like it just it's just some very odd parts of this film that go together and make a very uh, interesting final product. Especially when you uh, think about the final forty minutes or so. Um, one thing I will mention before I get to anything about the actual story or or the film, which there's a lot to say about it, is uh, I've mentioned this many times, uh, but love technical aspects of films, and there's a lot here for you if you like that. I mean, I, I thought the cinematography here was for the most part really good. Uh, at times it was just kind of that thing where it seems like they're trying to do cool-looking things because they want to do cool-looking things, but... Sometimes it works, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. And it, it worked here for the most part for me. Uh, I thought the music in this film was fantastic. And another thing that I would say about it is that the sound cues were just, just wonderful. Um, just the small little sound effects that come up uh, in terms of just things as simple as her boots, uh, the sound they make when she's walking on the road in the fog, is just something that. Great Foley work all around, yeah. yeah. Well, it, it's, it's something that are details that usually aren't paid attention to in films. Even if you want to have good sound effects, and a lot of films do, uh, you don't hit that very specific boot sound on the road, which is clearly made from something other than her actually just walking in the camera picking right. up the noise. It's a very deliberate sound instead, yeah. instead of a appropriate one, so to speak. And it, it, was just, uh, it was just very well done on a technical level. And uh, one thing I will say is I watched this in kind of a, a weird s- scenario where um, I was... You were in church. I, that would have been even more weird. Man. <laughs> uh, it's not like the time I watched Filth when I was on my lunch break. That was something. <laughs> oh, the adventures of Mr. Filth. As I, as I slowly close my <laughs> laptop and open it again yeah, as people right. walk by. Yeah. You and your CEO just chilling. Yeah, no. Luckily, he didn't come into the lunchroom at all. When that, that would have been really awkward. I thought you were going to say, luckily, he didn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> That also is true. Uh, but um, I went to game one of the World Series. It's the the Cubs right. are in it. And, uh, I forgot to ask you about that, but I'll save that for after. I was, it was uh, The Cubs did not win the game no. I went to. In fact, no. they played very poorly. They but did, but... it was a wonderful experience to get to go yeah. and like an all-time dream of mine to go to a Cubs World Series game. So it was awesome. You but did it. need to watch this film. Uh, watched it on our iPad on the way to Cleveland, 
and it was a very interesting experience to watch this and listen listen to it with my headphones because I felt like there was just wonderful use of stereo uh, music and sound effects in this film. So was your wife driving the whole time? She was driving while I was watching this on the iPad with my okay. headphones, believe Good. it or not. I just wanted to make sure you weren't driving. <laughs> I mean, that would have been <laughs> something if I would have pulled that off. But so then maybe you were going to like accidentally become the character you're watching and start pulling over and asking young Scottish men to get into your car. Yeah. How do you get to Cleveland? I only saw a couple young Scottish men on my way up, so it would have been you know tough sledding. I really would have gotten two. But no, it was a, it was a fun experience that I actually would not recommend necessarily. But um, this is a film that I think would be benefited by surround sound or something like that, where. I don't know if you would think that just looking at, oh, it's a art house kind of film. Why would you need uh, surround sound for this? But I think it's actually worth it. Every once in a while, I'll admit that when I go to sit down to watch a movie in my, I call it my screening room, <laughs> um, I will purposely put on headphones instead of using the external speakers, even though it's a sound bar and it's got a sound, like a totally fine sound. Sure. Every once in a while, like I'll, there'll be deliberate films, and this I could easily see being one of them, where they benefit from that full immersion uh, left and, to right. And it's something where you pick up a lot from the sound cues here, as they are really trying to um, bring a lot of different feelings into it. Uh, a film from last year that I absolutely love that uh, Nick and Toussaint were as crazy about The Revenant hmm. did the same kind of thing, uh, but Under the Skin does it very well as well. Uh, really quickly, before I just open up to the floor, uh, in terms of me loving this film, something that uh, I don't know if we argued about it, but we definitely discussed it when this first when we first saw this film, talking about myself and Nick, so we saw this in the theater a couple of years ago when it came around, and um, I had a somewhat strong feeling about that this film was completely, and maybe it's obvious, but it's completely about prostitution, and um, still kind of feel that way after seeing it a second time. Unpack that. Well, you have her character who basically, uh, we see her kind of set loose and sent out to do this mission or whatever. Mm -hmm. There was a guy who clearly is kind of showing her the way and, and uh, is not necessarily telling her exactly what to do, but is always just kind of there in the background, uh, has to be in the back of her mind or whatever. Mm -hmm. So we see her, she's seeking out people, which not saying that prostitutes go around looking for people, but they certainly aren't uh, dissuading people from going with them and, mm -hmm. and doing, uh, you know, what they are going to be paying for. Obviously, the payment here is not necessarily uh, money, but she is being sent out on this mission to go find these men uh, and at any cost uh, do her duty for her her master or whatever. Yeah. And at the first sign... Uh, that she doesn't do that, uh, she's immediately pretty much thrown to the side as they are both killing the guy she was with and then chasing out. Now, the scene that really does do it for me in terms of making me Whoa. feel like that it, <laughs> is the uh, the scene where the, the lead guy with the motorcycle gets his other cronies together to go chasing after her, mm -hmm. which I just like... Every time, like the sec, the second time I felt this way, I'm just like, oh man, that's a fucking pimp. Like getting his other pimp friends together, being like, my bitch got away. Like I need to go bring her back. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Pimps <laughs> assemble. Yeah, that's actually what I thought about. Anchorman. Yes, I love it. Yeah, oh cool. man, I can't even assemble. I actually thought of that. We're in my right head. here, Rod. <laughs> yeah. God. But 
she's just pretty much led to slaughter uh, because she's been conditioned and taught only these very simple things and giving these very simple rules of what she's supposed to follow, what she's supposed to wear, what she's supposed to, um, how she's supposed to present herself to these men, what she's supposed to talk about. He provides a body for her to which that she can like steal her clothes. Yeah, I mean, it, also a lot of pimps are really into extreme sports like motorcycles. I fucking kill you, man. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, I, it just it it, it just yeah. uh, overall was uh, I. It, and and especially like towards the end when she does have that, and I get it because she's an alien, but she has that moment where she's about to have meaningful sex, which I have thoughts on that whole scene, uh, <laughs> and uh, and then she grabs the uh, grabs a lamp to look at her vagina, and it's just like, man, is, is, is it broken? Is it doesn't work for for love? I don't know. Oh boy, I don't know. No, for real. <laughs> no, I'm laughing because me and Toussaint were watching the last like 20 minutes together before yeah. we recorded this, yeah. and at one point I, I started singing "Where Are You Christmas" <laughs> from Other Kind So Christmas. God. And so now I'm just picturing her singing that to her vagina that's not there. Yeah. <laughs> Why can't I find you? Or, or or even um and in the, the the final scene is some we'll we'll obviously talk about more in depth about what's going on there. Uh but you have the guy who's obviously trying to rape her. And yeah, then, I when uh, they were running through the forest, I sang "Hungry Like the Wolf." So apparently, I'm just like, <laughs> I think I'm like the worst or best film viewer to be with. Uh, I, the jury's still out. Definitely the best. Yeah. That's all right. I also you said, weren't even drunk. I also said during that scene because I caught the very end of it with you guys during that scene that I said either he's trying to rape her or he's trying to rape Joey Ramone. Uh, so you know, there's there's that for you. I wanna be sedated. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Nothing but the best here. Uh, that's how we do for our twelve listeners. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. One of which is your mother. So true. <laughs> something. Yeah. No, she stopped. Did she really? Oh, Linda. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm interested to see if you guys buy into that. Think it's total bullshit. If you think, I mean, it's, it seems pretty obvious to me. And so I, I don't know. I'll give a pretty simple answer to that, which is the idea that. While I don't see it at all, I mean, not don't see it. I can see it from your perspective, but like, I I still don't buy into it or whatever. Mm-hmm. I do think that this movie supports just about any theory anybody sure. throws out, and that included. I'm sure there's something that somebody could say, like, "Well, this represents uh, she's Hitler," and yeah. <laughs> you know, like whatever. Well, that's what uh, I'm saying. Like, there's not necessarily a wrong answer here. No, there there are some answers that are like. Like when, I, like uh, God, what's the name of that movie? Room two thirty seven levels of oh, wrong, yeah. where people like, and I love The Shining and the theories you can ascribe to The Shining, mm-hmm. but that documentary uh, annoyed the shit out of me with people saying, "Well, this is clearly a stand-in for the genocide of Polish people," and like just the most random things. Is this ever. about the moon landings? Uh, yeah. Although I will say, at least in there, there's at least some fun contextual clues, right. like the sweater and whatnot. Um. Uh, but yeah, so while uh, for the most part it would be hard to come up with a theory for this movie that doesn't fit, which is I think one of the strengths, uh, or maybe a weakness, I don't know. Uh, so I totally see your point, uh, but uh, to the opposite end of that, I, I also don't really have a theory I would put in place of it either, so uh, it's very well possible. Uh, but yeah. I, I sort of like cue to that. It's like I can totally see, when when you point it out, it's like I can I can see where you're you're coming from, Alex. I'm not sure if I directly co-sign it but like i can 
I, I, I can understand yeah. like the the interpretation of that premise. I think that this film is less of about its premise being a stand-in for any sort of like explicit preoccupation or or, or sort of like like corollary in, the, in that way. Is like I think this is more just a film about um, predatorial sexuality and the inversion of what we commonly think of as as predatorial sexuality, yeah. where, where, where it's. <sighs> It, it, it's the the idea of of rape culture where you have like women who are supposed to be afraid of men are supposed to have their guard up against men and and men don't have to, uh, women are, are, are from Venus and men are from Mars. Just say men, it, men are not conditioned in the same way to to fear like sexual or or, or to be wary of sexual encounters in the way that yeah. women really are and in this way is like. They probably should yeah. because there's a fucking evil like like black void vagina monster out there that's going to kill you if you're alone. Yeah. So um, I I think that's really that's also Bill Cosby's oh, nickname, the black void vagina monster. Damn it. Whoa. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I just walked into that one. Okay, but y- just like they walk into that black pool, ah! come. Oh. And sweaters. I'm drowning. Um, <laughs> uh, one thing I want to say is I think the key to unlocking this entire movie. Oh is, God, here we go. What? No, here you guys, go. come on, Shut hold the on. Fuck up. This is real, okay? So <laughs> I think you can't even say it without laughing. <clears throat> I think the key to unlocking this whole movie uh, is really embedded into her first uh, interaction with one of these uh, one of these young men. She she asks the first few men she come across a very specific question, and I want to draw our attention to it. She asks um, where the uh, she's looking for the M eight, and we know if we write that out and we sound it out, that's that's mate. So I think she's looking for a mate. That, that's all I got. Going deep here on film tank. Going real deep. Yeah. Well, she's looking for the one other person on Earth who is like her and said she's going to consume as many people as possible until she finds that person. Yeah. Well, that's just me, yeah. like, like taking your bullshit theory and just, like, <laughs> spitting it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got to say, as far as what I might get out of this movie on an interpretive level... I, I'm definitely more with Toussaint as far as I think it's more applicable for much broader uh, ideals. Like, for me specifically, the idea of beauty, once again. Um, uh, as far as it's kind of interesting that beauty is something that is only for the other person's benefit. It, it, it's your beauty, and yet you get nothing out of it except bad things, which would be vanity, narcissism, you know, whatnot. And how other people can co-opt your own uh, one aspect of you that's ultimately one of the most important aspects of you uh, – according to our society and the way we interact with each other. And what's interesting about that is that um, if it's, if it's something that is only for the benefit of other people, it's like, then why do we myself, you know, just every single human being uh, put so much weight and meaning on it. If we don't get anything out of it, you know, and, and that's it's, kind it's of, funny that you bring this up. Cause I feel like this is like the, this is like the selling point of the producers and the director being like, Scarlett Johansson, we want you to be in this film. We want you to be naked, and here's why. And, and not necessarily even saying that that's like, a, but but well, I think she's try, trying to give because really she's all this film has in terms of getting someone's attention of being like, oh my god, Scarlett Johansson is in right this because yeah. she's the only star. And she's right, naked, right. which is the least interesting thing about this entire film, right? Which is which is 
one of those things that is just well, and it's also it's saying some about what this film is trying to say. Right? I was going to say it's 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 a casting, uh, it's it's a great casting move because uh, for someone and Dusan had touched upon this before we even started the podcast about how she is certainly one of the most, if not probably the leading sexualized white actress in in uh, I'd say in, so, in, yeah. in Hollywood and land. apparently Asian actress. So that's great. <laughs> Um, but since she is, and, and it's not even by her own doing, I don't think. I think that's all of us. Yeah. Uh, the male gaze. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, just not keeping it in our pants. <laughs> and um, so it's kind of interesting for her to accept this role, and I think purposefully to uh, have that kind of out, outlook be shined outward back at the audience. And, you know, it's a, as a 20-something-year-old male who sits in this audience, I, 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 me personally, I'm not going to see this movie when I first saw it because Scarlett Johansson was going to be naked. However, I am a 20-something-year-old male who I'm not saying that I don't get any uh, brain impulses or elicit any response to whatever when I do see someone who might be attractive get naked. And yet for her to turn that outward and be like, and yet, at the end of the day, like what's on the receiving end of that is something uh, – like this movie, I'll say the one of the main things I'll praise this movie for is that this movie makes me deeply uncomfortable. Right. And not in a way where like a lot of movies that deal with sexualization or rape – I mean, uh, Nymphomaniac is a movie that certainly can make a lot of people – It goes and, the extra mile. It goes the extra mile, and that's a movie that doesn't phase me as far as like comfort level. Like That's like in my wheelhouse. I'm like, oh, yeah. That's an arguably sexualized like in in this film it's it's <laughs> you whip that ass Billy Elliot <laughs> it, it's, it's more like a a it's like an antiseptic almost just just completely passionless like like very cold anatomical like like breakdown of calculated of, a very yeah. very calculated um look at at not sexuality, but sort of like the the sexual apparatus, the sexual form, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And this is a movie that ultimately is interesting because it is – somehow it simultaneously pulls off a pretty inf, uh, impressive feat in my opinion, which is that I think the case – and I would even make it, although I don't, don't quiz me on it at the moment, but like that this is a feminist movie in a lot of ways. And yet on the flip side of that, it is also a movie that somehow gets away with being that and yet also – I would say it's almost like the movie is aimed at men in some ways. Uh, not literally as, as – like I'm not trying to say that uh, – It's not meant to gratify to, to but male what we, expectations. As but... men, I would just say male heterosexuals, right. uh, normally get out of like movies with similar subject matter. This movie almost seems like a, a – a, a, I don't know. I, I guess I want to say like a challenging watch to truly be able to sift through something that we're primed to like and yet – in this new context, which is a much more uh, scary and much more uh, just downright cruel context, make us start to reflect on why we do get what we do get out of other properties that deal with a certain kind of sexualization that we somehow don't think twice about. Well, let's let's talk about what you're talking about a little bit in a more specific example that I mentioned a little bit earlier which is the man that uh, you know carries her over the puddle and all that That's shit? So cute. Yeah. Um, so is he going to you know be so interested in saving her if she's not an attractive white female? And that's the thing is ultimately, <laughs> I do think an answer to that is ambiguous because that's that appeals to our either cynical nature or our optimistic nature. We can either think that after all this time, maybe she did finally meet a guy who you know. Uh, 
Even the bus driver's not buying it. He's like, stop bugging her, you fucker. Well, like, what's interesting about the bus driver scene, to me at least, is that it's the first time in which she, I think, maybe, and obviously someone else could watch that scene and read it completely different, that right. she's still a predator and she's still luring him into whatever. But I do think it's interesting that the bus driver just will not stop talking to her and will not stop like telling her what's best for her and all that kind of stuff. And then you just have this other man walk up to her and simply just say, can I do anything for you? Or do you need anything? Which is kind of the flipped inverse of what... Well, would he have done that if she was a black man? Uh, no. That's what we could say. We could say no. We could say maybe. I mean, he's a guy who watches Tommy Cooper right. <laughs> specials on BBC. What was that, 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 uh, that routine that he yeah, was watching? Uh, spoon, Jar Jar Spoon. Spoon, Spoon, Jar Jar, jar Spoon, yeah. Spoon. He was a uh, Tommy Cooper with a famous uh, British comedian and magician. So he had these uh, specials on BBC uh. that were both a mix of, uh, you know, magic and comedy and routines like that, which was a very famous routine. Hmm. But I'm just saying this, like, uh, maybe because I love to see just TV portrayed. In a, and I, so I thought that was like nice little detail in the sense that this is a man of simple pleasures. And this is like what he does for fun, so to speak, because he's not just watching it mindlessly. He laughs at one of the jokes, you know. Um, so I ultimately maybe have a more optimistic view on that man. Maybe not the movie as a as a whole, but uh, as to his intentions. Only because it seems like if he truly is what I think the internet would call a nice guy, with the uh, the quotes around and trying to say that he's just in it. Like he just thinks that she's a vending machine. That if he puts nice coins into her, then sex coins comes out of her, or whatever. Because uh, you know vending machines. You know, you put coins in, you get coins out. Anyway, That's how it works usually, right? Um, but at least for me, when I when I watch his scenes and his involvement, they do seem more of a nurturing uh, hmm. side to him. And ultimately, he lets her dictate every scene. It's, it's a, true. He, he he asks her what she needs, what she wants, and then when she can't answer, he at least tries to fill it in. Like when they when he takes her to the store, I like the little detail about him putting the space heater in her room, which seemed to be like him thinking about that if she wears that coat, she must be cold all the time. You know, cold blooded, and but and that's not something he had to ask her he just did it and then ultimately like even when he takes her out to the the place whatever uh he says like if you want to go we can go back and of course the sex scene uh you know that's ultimately shut down by her and and not to his uh chedron so ultimately i think it's that's an interesting but ultimately that's an interesting uh take and depiction on how that usually doesn't work out for people like that who aren't sadly you'll get fur- further i think Ultimately, what makes this movie a cynical movie is that you'll get further in the world of sex uh, and whatever if if you are not like him and you are, uh, you know, like other men. Now, I'm not saying it'll be fulfilling because we see the demise of the men she has in her wake uh, with yeah. whatever. So, As they willfully walk into the yeah. black goo. Yeah. I call it the black sperm. Mm. So let's talk about the baby scene because uh, I mentioned that 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 just fucks you up, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Whether it's you know visually, I guess not a very it's very bizarre. And I, as someone who recently became a pet owner for the first time, I guess Aww. I could. Yeah, I guess I could kind of understand. But um, and I get that it's the the woman going in after the dog, and then the man going in after the woman. Not both of them go after the dog. But still, there there's no instinct there to stay back with the baby for anybody. Like it's a very, and I get it, it's a very spur of the moment type thing. And neither of them thought they wouldn't be coming back. Don't worry, baby, I'll be right back. 
Yeah. Uh, you stay here on these rocks. But but move that, away when it's high tide. And it's a very extremely effective scene for me because I remember watching it the first time and this time both times just thinking, oh, God. She walks by the baby and to this film's credit, she never does anything to the baby, never hurts it, never gets involved with it, just keeps walking, which is... A, both a good thing because she's not throwing the baby into the black goo. Uh, but at the same time, she's Come also here, baby. she's also not assisting the baby, not helping. She's leaving a infant child there to probably get eaten alive by. I, does the baby something. even register uh, on her? You know, I don't know, radar, but it's, so to speak? it's one of those things that uh, says a lot about the early parts of this film. And then uh, you have this. It just it it, it gets it twice because. First of all, they go back to the the scene like two minutes later at nighttime, and the baby's still sitting there looking around, and that's just right there. You know, I will right say one thing that oh, this man. is probably I think it's the third time I watched it, but I don't even remember the second time I watched it. I think I was drunk. <laughs> so really, the first time I watched it before this was at the theater, mm-hmm. and I will admit, rewatching it, I totally thought that the check in on the baby scene happened a lot later. Like I thought it was a good like ten to twenty minutes. Yeah, I actually agree with you. And so like I remember that being kind of powerful because you'd forget it, but this was really like one scene later after the initial. Whatever. But then they also they doubled down again. Because the they radio. give you the radio uh, news clip where they say that the baby is missing. So, oh, man. Whoa. Not, not giving the audience, uh, not giving them the satisfaction that the baby, oh, it survived. It's all fine. Nope. You know what? Not going to know. I will say what you just brought up with the radio thing is one thing that I don't like about this movie. Not, okay. Not the radio itself. <laughs> God, I hate radio. Goddamn that radio. No. But that is a... a a consistent detail in this movie that I want to appreciate this movie as like an analogy or as like a dream world or whatever. But a few too many times, this movie goes out of its way to point out to his audience that there is a, a, a universe here that exists like the one that we exist in, even though clearly someone or the alien, whatever, like Scarlett Johansson does not exist in our world or whatever, but that there is a living, breathing world and it takes me out of the movie somehow. Like, so when I hear the radio update on this subplot that we, we were introduced to, or when, um, when the, one of the motorcycle guys goes to take the man and put him in the trunk, the disfigured man, and the neighbor is watching. Like every time the movie kind of tipped his hat to show that, the world around these events were not only existing, but also these weirdly uh, willing participants in this story. I, it just made it seem, I don't know, like it, it was too, one too many details, too many, so to speak. I, it, yeah. it kind of lost an air of mystery of like, is anybody going to notice? Or are people, whereas here we're like, we're they're, they're seeing it, but they're also like, I don't know. There, there's a few other details, but I didn't write them down, but where the movie would stop to like remind the audience that Scarlett Johansson is somehow operating through all these crazy things and yet doing it in a world that is completely fleshed out and, and operates like a normal world would. And it would, that, be, it would the, be more disturbing and less, and, and, and less playing to the, um, the operations of a film necessary in order to like give out exposition for a previous scene. If they just left the baby, yeah. they just left the baby and they never talked about the baby. I was going to say, I don't think that baby was going to have a good outcome. And so yeah. the radio segment itself just makes it a little more clear that 
uh, you know, about uh, I don't know. It's just like it's, just it's, to be it's, clear, it's, the baby's dead. <laughs> It's, well, no, it's mean, weirdly I, expository, it, yeah, even yeah. though it's not actually answering anything. So in, in, in that case, I find it redundant and distracting from the uh, weird, surreal aspect of Scarlett Johansson's What, I, what I will say about that, though, is that a, a sort of throw-in clip like that, whether it be on the radio or in a newspaper or TV or whatever. Or even like the family watching her in the diner. Something like that, where the world exists around her. But what I'm saying about that is usually when you have scenes like that in films, at least the films that I've seen, those are to have little reassuring things about, oh, the baby's fine, or they made it, or something like that. And here it just makes it either... A negative outcome, or makes it even more ambiguous than it was previously. So I, I don't know. That, I actually quite enjoyed that part of it, uh, in, at least in that specific instance. Um, and I'm always a I'm always a fan of things like that. So I guess we'll just be on different sides of that coin. Yeah. But I, I guess specifically, what um, just to clarify, it, it's not so much when when she's interacting with somebody. So like when she's talking to a bus, like the bus driver, except she doesn't really talk to him. But when the bus driver, is like a character like that, who's just an ancillary character that exists right there in that moment, like that doesn't bother me. It's just when these moments occur outside of her own purview that the audience is made privy to. I'd rather it be her journey and her journey only uh, and not get glimpsed into... The, and I know she listened to the radio report, so from there, that that is her point of view. But, uh, like, the neighbor spying on the, the motorcycle dude and, yeah. and little things like that that just kind of all... Uh, just felt redundant and just pointless. Especially since nothing's ever going to come of that. Right, it, and it's like, order. I don't want anything to come of it, but it's like, why? But but the difference between that and the, the radio is at least the radio is providing some odd closure or non-closure to a previous scene where the, the woman there... But it that, seems that like that it's is... for the audience benefit and not hers. I don't even think she's listening to yeah. the radio. So that's that's why I also zero in on that, at yeah. least. But there's no there's no benefit for the... All it is is that the, they I mean, the audience... eventually get caught, right? Is that pretty much all that that would bring that someone was spying on them? I bet the audience benefit them? as to, like, we would want to hear the radio report. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not... I'm, oh, I'm well, off the radio report talking about the woman in the uh, the window okay. at this point. But that's more of it has, is almost completely meaningless because it is never brought up again. It has no sort of... It, it's, it yeah. addresses nothing. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Tucson, it looks like you had something to say, so why don't you jump no, back I, in? No, I, 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 oh, okay, I, I was kind of ping-ponging between you two, and I'm just like, oh, pew, okay. pew. interesting. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, are we ready for final thoughts on this film? Or I mean, I can definitely say, like, one thing about this film is that it definitely gets under your skin. Um, and oh, like, ah, you guys thought I wasn't going to do it. You were waiting. Oh, but it does, actually. That was, yeah. that was actually... Very underwhelming, so I expected better things out of you. That really hurts. That hurts deep down under the skin. Also, no, Tucson. Wow, no. (sighs) Okay, so uh, I guess we can move on to final ratings, unless there's anything else that anyone wants to definitely bring up for discussion. I was going to say, I think to to truly unpack this movie, it would be an endless conversation that ultimately doesn't have any real meaning. to anybody other than the person saying it, because I think this is such a personal experience to view the film. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I 
So uh, if I may go for mm-hmm. uh, final thoughts, I will just say that I definitely, definitely like this movie. It's certainly one of the most unique movies in the in the, in the recent uh, years that we've uh, been living through. <laughs> <laughs> this, oh. this last decade, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I, I really enjoy it. I, I enjoy it more as a piece of filmmaking than I do as an actual uh, piece of fiction that I can draw. Meaningful context and uh, uh, just yeah, inspiration from. Uh, so it's like one of those cases where I'm glad it got made, and I will watch it every few years or so because there's certainly nothing else like it. So only this movie can give you that fix, so to speak. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, I I just uh, I don't get as much out of this sort of uh, art house movie that I do. Uh, from other art house movies where like like Mulholland Drive for example is a movie where I feel like that's compulsively rewatchable compulsively rewatchable but it's also one of those movies where I think the idea that it means absolutely nothing and yet it also means a million different things works to its benefit and is a codependent relationship here I think those parts are at odds a little bit Uh, but ultimately I recommend it I think it's a singular experience I think it's uh, certainly um, one of the best casting choices in one of these kind of uh, avant-garde films and everybody should at least watch it once I, I, I doubt that anyone can watch it and not react to it um, and for that reason alone because I'm always uh, I always love art that at least does that very simple thing because I think a lot of artists uh, don't even want to try but uh, so for that reason alone I give it three and a half out of five stars it's, I very much enjoy it I just don't really love it got it yeah. I'm one thing I, I I don't think I really touched on a lot throughout this entire like, like conversation, but you I'm can't just gonna, bring like, it up now. I can't bring it up now. Shut the fuck up! I'm going to do it. Slapped you down. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Is that this film is very visually beautiful? It's like yeah. it, it, it's like it's got great cinematography. I love the foley like sounds. I love the 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 score. It's just a very visually striking film, and especially with the imagery of the void space of of Scarlett Johansson's character luring those people in there. It's like that's just a a visually distinct scene that I could not get from any other film that we I feel like was right here. Forgot to mention one thing, if I can just quickly interject. Yeah. No, we're done. You said I'm a bitch. But I wanted to say that one thing I, I was going to mention is not so much to something to read into, but um, there is an interesting dichotomy between the opening space and her actual space. Like yeah. the space of birth is essentially white, white. and the uh, the space of uh, whatever you call that is black. is black. Of <laughs> consumption. Wow. Of con- yeah, of consumption <laughs> and whatnot. And it, it's interesting. Are they the same space, so to speak, but they take on different forms or are they completely different? Uh... Yeah, we didn't even mention either the, uh, the original guy who's just kind of still hanging out there in purgatory and then the new person Wee. comes down there. And then they hold hands, and then the one guy explodes and sucks him up. That oh. happens when I hold hands with a guy, too. And, <laughs> and, and all of his meat is just fed down like some space trowel into the into the red space. I'm just like, oh, that's gross. And then Malekith gets power and can fight Thor. It's great. Man, that's a deep cut even for me. I didn't yeah. even remember who his name was. Okay. Hey, yeah, and he was played by... Daniel uh, Craig. No, it was a good try. What? Uh, the guy from The Leftovers. Uh, Justin Thoreau? No. That's Which guy from The Leftovers? The, uh, Matt, the, uh, the the priest. That's Daniel. Oh, Christopher Eccleston. Christopher Eccleston. Fuck! Definitely All right, you're not right. Daniel Craig. He's yeah. James Bond. Doctor yeah, Who, right. come on. I know, I was about to say the ninth doctor. Like, fuck, I... Oh, damn it. Um, but I want to give this film a three and a half out of five. I really enjoyed it. Um, I could see myself rewatching it. It's like, I'll, I'll have to echo... Um, 
Nick sentiments again is like it's not as compulsively watchable as said film like uh, Mulholland Drive, but I think that it is a film that not enough lesbian sex. Yeah, that we're gonna get to that eventually when we get to that episode. Like I have a very interesting story about that when we first watched that. I, yeah, doesn't, um, doesn't everybody? Oh, I mean, you know what? I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know what you're talking about. He was like a fourth grade boy. Uh, whatever. Anyway. Um, I, I really enjoyed Under the Skin, and I would definitely recommend it. No two people will watch it the same way. I agree. And I actually think um, one thing I definitely wanted to mention as I start my final thoughts is that I feel like you'll definitely watch this film somewhat differently the second the third time you watch it as you do the first time, which is uh, not always necessarily a sign of a great film or even a good film. But uh, in this case, I think it is because I think this is something that you could get uh, a totally different perspective from uh, after multiple viewings. Um, uh, this is a film that, even though we haven't updated it probably over a year, uh, it's going on the hit list. It's one of the, the first ones you've had in a while. Yeah. Anyway, right? Everyone likes it. Deserves it deserves it. Yeah, it's a good movie. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of this. Uh, a lot of the technical aspects here are honestly what make this film so good, in my opinion, because I think it's a really good story. And has uh, good interaction between Scarlett Johansson and the unassuming people that she meets, whether they be in the film or actually in real life that they're going through this, which is a, a story among itself. Uh, and I think she puts on a great performance, but is surrounded by all these talented people who put on these great sound effects. We, we didn't even really talk about the score, which I thought was fantastic. Great use of great use of the music too. Um, we have a great, uh, interesting piece of music that plays uh, when her and the man, uh, the man who's with her, uh, he's carrying her into that cave, and then they kiss for the first time. And there's a very romantic piece of music that immediately, once they start kissing, turns into a very weird X-Files-ish kind of uh, sound. And it's uh, it's an interesting sort of wave throughout the film as the, the music plays throughout and has that weird tone and it's sometimes it's beautiful. It's just a very interesting use of music and sound effects, as I mentioned, and, and visuals and Toussaint talked about the cinematography. It's just a, a lot of great technical work in this film. And it's just an overall really good movie in general that um, could make you think if you, if you wanted to. And uh, it's it's an interesting one that has some surprises for sure, and uh, some uh, some interesting thoughts about uh, about the film itself presenting it outward to us, the audience. So, I'm a big fan of Under the Skin. I think it's a terrific film. It looks great on Blu-ray, um, and the sound is great too. So, if you ever get a chance to listen to the surround sound or on a really nice pair of headphones, I would I would suggest trying that out even if it's not really your thing. So it's a four out of five for me for Under the Skin, uh, a fantastic film and um, one I would definitely recommend. So done with October. This is the last. Bye. Yeah. Of course, if you're listening to this, it's February. Yeah, I was going to say. Fuck you. Hey, I was just talking shit about me and Whoa. him, so not really you. So Yeah, why are you telling me to <laughs> uh, calm down, Tucson? <laughs> But this is kind of the last, and even though this is like slightly categorized as a horror film, I would definitely personally categorize it as a horror film way before Don't Breathe, but that's just me. Just me. Such a weird hill to die on, man. Such a weird hill to die on. Anyway, continue. (laughs) So anyways, thank you. Thank you for repeating what Nick said. (laughs) It is. Come and play with us. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, Tussauds just seems like that guy who just hangs out with, with somebody. He's like, yeah, you should. Yeah, go fuck yourself. Think like the guy, he's Joe Latrulio and super bad. <laughs> Tiger got out of the cage, bro. Tiger got out of the cage. You guys on Facebook? <sighs> wow. I'm sorry. Does he say Facebook or say MySpace? He probably says MySpace, yeah, but oh, man. Uh, Alex, like you were saying? <laughs> Uh, I don't actually don't remember what I was talking about. You were gonna say our next movie because this is a horror movie. Oh yeah, there so you go. This is uh, this is the the end of October, so into November, and uh, we're gonna do all Thanksgiving movies yeah. all the time, which is kind of difficult because we already did the the major one last year, planes, trains, and automobiles. So yeah. it's really gonna be. We'll really... do the Thanksgiving trailer by Eli Roth in the Grindhouse. Uh. Could do a greenhouse episode at some point, but I think that'd be fun. Yeah, we'll just review a trailer one of these days. <laughs> I was talking about like the whole, the whole double feature film. Oh yeah, no, yes, yeah. gotta do yeah. that. We could also talk about the trailer in no. that. I was but, gonna say. Well, like, no, I mean we could mention it. Yeah, but not the entire episode. Sure. Anyways, <laughs> down the road that is. But next uh, week we're gonna be talking about uh, a superhero movie again because we haven't talked about one in long enough. But I will say. Yeah. We are at least going to all enjoy our experience, at least of going to the theater, because we're going to go to the uh, dinner theater where they serve food and alcohol to oh, watch yeah. this film, and we'll see. And where people like to talk. Yeah. Not is, talk, but talk to the movie. Which is fine here, oh, yeah. because I don't, I, I think, I mean, I guess I won't speak for all of us, but I will, because I don't think any of us really care that much about this movie. No, I don't think this will be like a repeat of the Neon Demon, where <laughs> one person was a little sour apple. <laughs> Who'd that be? <laughs> Too sad. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> no, no, but I guess what I'm saying is that yeah. this isn't something where any of us are really wanting to see it that bad that we want yeah. to have like a film viewing experience. Right. Like if someone's heckling or some idiots are like, fuck yeah, not just strange. Fuck it, let's just get drunk and watch these guys shoot lasers yeah. at each other and, and bend the world <laughs> like, like the Inception world, whatever. No, it's not like that at all. It's totally different. Yeah, no, sure. It's fine. He has a cape. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the film we were talking about is Doctor Strange. Uh-huh. Stephen Strange was sort of mentioned during the Winter Soldier uh, in a small comment, which course was his origin into his origin story uh and now he's going to be here and uh working with the other white people uh to <laughs> hey she would tell you for us in this yeah there's like two black people it's like come on mads mickelson's here he was a bond villain so well uh, he was more of a bond villain he was hannibal lecter <laughs> on nbc's hannibal and probably in my opinion the definitive performance of hannibal i've heard that i thought that's you were gonna fetch. say the definitive hannibal well, no, that's pretty much. Yeah, that's what he just that's said. That's what I just said. Yeah, he just oh. said it in the in, definitive in... performance of Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. Oh, okay, I yeah. gotcha. I, 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 I can understand why anybody would like Anthony Hopkins more or whatever, but yeah. like to my eye, no one played it better than Matt Mickelson yeah. on a TV show, no less. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, well, anyways, we will be talking about Doctor Strange next week, and uh, we'll see what it ends up being. I'm sure all the Marvel fans will think it's the greatest movie ever. Uh, and that will hold up then until the next one comes out. Yeah. So if you have thoughts on Doctor Strange, whether they be real or not real, you can send them on to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. Send us your not real thoughts. Please do. Well, just, you know, the usual dribble. It's fine. Yeah. We'll accept it. Uh, we'll also, uh, we'd love to hear from you about anything, whether it be Under the Skin or any under other... Under the fil- Skin. <laughs> any other under... <laughs> Under the skin. Any other film or... Darling, it's better. Down where it's weather. Deep from within. Television program or 
anything really you want to email us about. If you want to hear me sing more songs, you know, just uh, tell me which movie you want me to mash up with which pre-existing song, and I will I will make it happen. He'll do it too. <laughs> God damn it! Anyway, <sighs> that's a promise more than a <laughs> that's a threat more than a promise. That's a, that's promise a guarantee on the box. Oh boy. Oh, so yeah, any of those, any thoughts about anything, really, you can send them to us. Except for politics, please don't. Uh, send them to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. Uh, you can always find us on filmtankshow.com, where you can find our episodes. You can also find them on iTunes or Stitcher. And you can find us occasionally on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Film Tank Show. For Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, myself, Alex Diekman, as always, thank you very much for tuning into this episode of Film Tank, and we will catch up with you next time. <laughs>